and welcome back to Performer Talks. Before we jump into this week's episode, I want to talk to you about Performing Arts Mag. Performing Arts Mag is a completely free online magazine specifically designed to help performers and performing arts-based businesses. Performing Arts Mag provides engaging, relevant and insightful content on the industry from leading professionals in the business. And like I say, it's all completely free and there to help make our industry more accessible for everyone. To download any of our free monthly editions, just head to the link in our show notes. And don't forget to check out Performing Arts Mag's website to keep up to date with all the latest theatre, film and TV news. A massive thank you for listening to our show. Don't forget, if you love this episode, please leave a review on Spotify or iTunes. Let's get on with today's episode. Today I'm joined by the insanely talented Cisco Gomez, who is a TV host and choreographer. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on this show and have a chat with us. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. It's such a pleasure to have you on. So for all the listeners who are at home who maybe don't know exactly what you do, can you tell them who you are and what you get up to? Yes, so my name is Cisco Gomez. I started off as a professional dancer um, 20 odd years ago. Um, found great success through dancing. That led to choreography because I love to choreograph and create. That led me to having a teaching, an international teaching career. I've taught in over um, 22 countries internationally. Um, I, you know, choreograph for people like um, J Lo. Kylie Minogue, I used to be the choreographer on X Factor for some of the seasons, The Voice when it moved into ITV, you know, I've danced for Janet Jackson, Madonna, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been around <laughs> and then like I moved to LA, I think it was six years ago to pursue my hosting career because I want to be the Latina Oprah. So I got into a hosting school over there and I was ticking all the boxes that I couldn't achieve in Europe with my choreography career at the same time. And I just moved back to London and I'm now I'm trying to like filter out to a full-time hosting. That's amazing. And was it just something that you really have always wanted to do that's always kind of been there? Or is this something you found through dance that like you've just had one or two opportunities that's been like, oh yeah, I quite like that actually. It, it definitely was through dance because at, when I was 22, I got scouted by So You Think You Can Dance in Ukraine. And um, they, I had an audition and the rest is history. It changed my life. I was a judge on the show for seven years. And um, because of that as well, at the tail end of that, I then got to judge the UK version with Nigel Lithgow and Arlene Phillips and Louise Redknapp for the two seasons that we had. And then I got to do other shows like, you know, Comic Relief Does Beauty Club, which is a singing show, and I got to be a judge on that. So then as that started my, my judging career, in my head, you know, we're always backup dancers. The choreographer is always behind the camera, but I've always been very charismatic and good with my mouth. You know what I mean? I'm very full out. Some people say I'm a production. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so it started, you know, people were like, Cisco, like, you need to be in front of camera. And I was like, okay, cool. As you, you know, go through your career and you do all the stuff that you've set out to do, you know, I, besides working for Britney or Gaga, I've done everything that I've wanted and more. And so you start to think in your mid-twenties, what's next, you know? And so I got this um, epiphany, I guess, 
when I started repeating my career again and again, I was like, I would hate to lose the passion for what I do. I think it's time to move on. I feel like my talent is bigger than the dance industry. I, it's different. And having my own company, Dance to Excess, back in the day, and then my mentorship program, PSG, you know, I'm, I've been a mentor to many and a, and a shoulder to many. And I was like, I'm actually good at solving problems and, and I'm good at delivering it in an entertaining manner. And so I got the the idea that I want to be a TV host. And then as soon as I kind of like, this is like 26, as soon as I said it in my head, my, my heart was like, yes, yes. But it's difficult to let, let go of, you know, who you are as a professional to something brand new when you've worked so hard tirelessly to get to where you are. So I made the move to go to LA and I was like, I'm going to tick off all the boxes that I've got left. You know, I said I wanted to get into a dance convention in America with my peers. I wanted to do J-Lo and I wanted to do some of the award shows that they have there, like the Latin um, American Music Awards, American Music Awards, America's Got Talent, all that stuff that we can't get, right? And so as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And then as I got into that school with Marky Costello, it was, it was, I never looked back. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is my calling. That's amazing. And it was such it's so nice to hear that you like still have the passion, but you wanted to keep that so much that that's what mm-hmm. turned you to diversify. Yes, of course. I just feel like with anything in life, I'm not saying that everyone has to switch careers, but like there comes a time where it's like you have to change, you have to evolve, or you have to try new things. If not, you know, you're going to live a very monotone and monochrome life. And I am full of color. My palette's full of color, you know? And so if I'm the same person or at the same place that I was a year ago, then I'm not doing myself any service. And with the, you know, when you're comfortable in your career, if you think about it, all you're doing is repeating what you're doing, but with different artists or maybe the same um, shows but different seasons and I just wasn't comfortable with that I felt like I wasn't being used to my full potential anymore yeah and it's kind of like you know when actors they get typecast as the same roles over and over again right is it hard for people to see you as not just a dancer and choreographer is it really hard to get your foot in the door as a host because that's something completely different yeah I'm glad you touched base on that because the the I guess the jumping ship stage is difficult. I'm lucky because I've been in LA for six years and I haven't been on TV or I don't post that much about what I do choreography wise. There's been enough time to forget me. You know what I mean? So now when I come back, now that I don't have my big hair and stuff like that, people are like, I, I think, I think people are like, oh, he looks familiar. Not like, oh, that's Cisco Gomez. I don't have that same kind of like aha moment as I used to. So I'm kind of using that to my advantage, but I am struggling in this country for, to get a chance because all the producers and choreographers, sorry, the producers and all the directors that I've worked with when I was a choreographer, they still see me, Cisco, doing the steps. So now to give me a chance at something else different, you know, that's a big ask. So I, I, it is... It is kind of like, hi, look at me, look at me, look at me, I can do this. But everything has its time. You know what I mean? Everything has its time. Whether it happens here or back in America, hey, maybe Australia or Canada, I don't know. But I'm I'm willing to move and take the risk somewhere else. It doesn't have to be here. That's incredible. I think if anything we've learned from the last few years of the pandemic is you've got to adapt and you've got to be willing to evolve and try new things. Exactly. 
Exactly. That's amazing. Well, a huge congratulations on the hosting front because you are doing so much, which we'll come back to a bit later in the show to talk about what you get up to a little bit more. But when we're looking at your career success, like you say, you've worked with some of the biggest names globally. Do you feel like there was one specific moment that changed the game for you? Or do you feel like it was several contracts of networking and different opportunities that led to your career success or was there like one moment where they're like oh that's Cisco uh, do you know what I get asked this question a lot and it's impossible to say one moment because mm-hmm. I believe that every single success point of your career contributes yeah to change or contributes to my happiness I think in my dance career dancing for Madonna and Janet Jackson was just the top of the game because they were icons when I was in nappies <laughs> And to get the opportunity, especially being such fans of their body of work, to actually dance for them was just an accomplishment. And it kind of like verified the hard work and the sacrifice that I did training, you know? Yeah. With choreography, I think Kylie Minogue was the big one for me because it happened when I was really young in my choreography career and she was just the top female artist that I wanted to work for I'm such a Kylie fan when it comes to music but physically I was never the Kylie Minogue dancer type you know it's usually like muscle athletic jock bodies you know that kind of like toy with gay erotica and I just wasn't that you know I was very skinny I was boy next door I was you know very called exotic which is wrong but you know what I mean there wasn't anyone that looked like me but I just didn't fit into that mold so to get to ask to choreograph for her and then I got to actually dance for her too because they slightly changed the the aesthetic. I was like, oh my gosh, I get two for the price of one, you know? Yeah. Um, Craig for Brian Freeman on the X Factor is amazing because, you know, he did so much to our industry and to pop culture, period. So to be like his right-hand man for a few years was an accomplishment because I was like, wow, all this stuff that I've done, you know, with my company, all those shitty jobs, you know what I mean? It's like it all makes sense now you know because with my company it was that was the only joy I got but that didn't pay me you know what I mean so then to finally use my choreography skills in the platform like X Factor because you know that was the biggest show apart from Strictly that we've got was incredible because it also certified that I was in the right place at the right time so that helped that confidence helped me you know later in my career also absolutely and I think that's so important that you feel like it's lots of little wins that have led to this because there's very much a stigma now about this like overnight success story about how people do this one thing and then it like skyrockets them but they don't see everything that happens before it like the journey is so much more important than the destination and I think you know the blessing and the curse about social media is that you know now we've got more options to get our stuff out you know it gets out to more people it's free promotion let's say but there are you know mediocrity is also at the forefront so people who don't work as hard or don't want to or you know let's be real aren't talented are making so much more money than someone that's been to college or has been training for 10 years and still haven't hasn't got their big break because they're not prostituting themselves on these platforms and get and going viral which is incredible but also do you have what it takes to back it up and so it's difficult because people see that as success now and not training for years and slowly in slow bursts getting you know your wins yeah absolutely I think that's such a great point to kind of like touch on so I wanted to ask you what do you think is more important on this subject connections or is it having the talent 
I think talent, but I think you'll be able to not bear in mind that connections and networking is is important. I only started networking like two years ago, like probably like straight after the pandemic, if not during, because I, I'm, I'm very much, I've had so many people around me that are sharks or snakes in the industry and it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm so talented. I don't need to do all that extra stuff. You know what I mean? Like, t- you know, work will come to me. My reputation is grand enough for work to come to me. And it did happen that way for me, but I could have got so much more opportunities if I put myself out there, if I just networked organically and if I just asked more, because I find it uncomfortable personally to ask. So it's important to not be that, you know what I mean? It's important to find a way to do it organically and there's a place and time, you know, but training for me still, even though I didn't network for my career, is so much more important because at the end of the day, the goods is what stands out. It's not your networking skills. You know what I mean? When you get put on that arena, it's your goods that are going to have to save the day. Your networking skills are not going to make you a better dancer when you're in front of the camera, are they? No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a bit of both, but I definitely do think that the talent should be looked into more. Yeah, definitely. So you said that you wished you'd organically like networked a lot, lot more. What do you think is important to remember in this industry? As an artist who's maybe just getting started, what do you think they should be thinking about that maybe is more prevalent now or maybe that you wished you'd done as a start, like when you were starting out as an artist? Okay, so me and Delusion have been best friends since before (laughs) I was, you know, successful. And, you know, my... my, um, I guess my formula was very easy. Dance like it's your last class, like someone's about to shoot me as soon as I leave the room, and that stain that I leave in the dance floor, on the dance floor, that that blueprint, that print, will get me gigs. And it did, because when you leave a moment that's past dance, when you leave that spiritual, that energetic debris in a room, that's contagious. And and people are going to talk. And that's what happened. I think one thing growing up when I started working is that the industry doesn't owe you anything, regardless of how good you are. The industry is not a person. It's the machine, right? It's not a person. So how are you expecting something back from something that's not human? And I think entitlement, because we are at the bottom of the barrel, we're always getting underpaid, it's always a struggle. You know, we're always in the me, me, me bus when it should be we, 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 right? Because, you know, we contribute so much to pictures, to films, to directors, to, to, to everything, really, you know? We are the closest thing to music after it's released, you know what I mean? We've got the closest relationship to music, yet we're not valued. So entitlement starts to come organically to us because we expect more than what we're actually experiencing on these jobs during this experience but careful because you're asking some you're asking more respect you're asking more visibility right from something that's not a person so that's never going to happen so check yourself because humility will always cancel out your your you know the delusion of um expecting back from something that can't do it you know what I mean? And entitlement is very dangerous. And I wish someone explained that to me. You know what I mean? Because it was um, it was a hard pill to swallow when, like, you know, you're the top of the game, but you're not making what your self-worth is telling you you are. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And, and it plays tricks on you psychologically, for sure. That's really honest, but also something that no one has ever shared before. So thank you for being so open about that because entitlement I mean I think we all do it to some extent like you say like I'm sure I'm like oh I really deserve that opportunity and things and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so hard isn't it to shut yourself off from that of course, it is. of course it is it's because I don't know any other profession really besides actors to be honest where like rejection is almost daily or the waiting game if we're not waiting for a job or waiting for our money <laughs> if they're saying no to this, they're saying no to that. Like, we get a lot of no's. So that self-hope, that self-love has to be put on hyper mode all the time. And unfortunately, when that happens as a defense mechanism for our sanity, of course, that entitlement's going to be there because you have to be slightly delusional to believe that you're worth more than what the actual situation is giving you. You know, but it's hard because you have to, like... There's a fine you line. Have to have a balance. Yeah, you have to have balance. I was a good example in it with another emotion is arrogance, you know? I always say to my students, be humble as much as you can, but with the sprinkle of Kanye West. You know what I mean? Because with, with me on stage, I'm so arrogant. You pay to see my show. You know what I mean? I'm grabbing this opportunity by you know what. You know what I mean? I'm that. But off stage, I'm completely the opposite. I'd rather you speak about other people. I don't like to get compliments. Like, let's not talk about me. And, you know, my the, my humility levels are like, they completely switch with my arrogance levels. You know what I mean? Because I can't have arrogance in my day-to-day life because it's going to be a detriment to me. You know what I mean? But it doesn't mean that I, I'm going to swipe away arrogance completely. No, because I need arrogance for when I'm on stage yeah. to access that. You know what I mean? It's balance. Yeah, and like you say, with the constant rejection as well, you need to know your worth. You need to know that you're talented and be able to say, yeah, this is my strength. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. While having that humility. Yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's like it's like psychological gymnastics all the time. <laughs> Constantly. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my yeah. God, it's so tiring. But, yeah. you know, it's a balancing act. You know, what we do is difficult and it, just, uh, and it needs difficult traits. Absolutely. So with that and obviously being like a completely different person away from being on stage for you is there someone who you've met who's been so influential I like off stage is there someone who you've met in person that you've been like oh that's not what I expected and have really influenced you in terms of maybe your career or whether it just be as a person they were just so lovely to meet that it kind of brought you something I think I don't think influenced my career as such, but I do. I've had some moments where I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" Like you're really nice, and I'm going to take that away from me and and keep on replaying that because if you can do that, then when I get to that stage, I'm going to be do. I'm going to do that, right? Charlotte Church was amazing because Charlotte Church was like, I worked with Charlotte Church and she just went from opera to like pop um, bill, and she was. You couldn't get more down to earth. Like, you just couldn't. And she just really appreciates real. And that's very refreshing because, you know, a lot of these artists are tortured souls and they're very difficult. And, you know, they, they you know, they sip on their own Kool-Aid. So you have to act a certain way around them or not be around them at all because we're not allowed. So it, it was just nice to be around someone that just has no walls. And it's just like, you're one of us. Like, have a beer. You know, she took us when we went to Wales we performed for the Queen's, um, what's it called, the Royal Variety Show. It was in Wales that that year. And I didn't know this, but her mum's and her have got a pub 
in Wales, and then she took us all there, paid for all the drinks, like sat with all of us individually, gave us all the time, and like just super freaking chill. And I was just like, I had to like take a double take sometimes. Like, wait, but that's my boss because she just made us feel so bloody comfortable, you know. So I always remember that story because she was just like so cool. <laughs> that's amazing um so i want to ask you something completely different now now mm. when i look at you i see a fashion icon <laughs> um, ah, not today but thank you <laughs> <laughs> um because when i i remember watching you as i was growing up on tv and you just always looked amazing and i saw you the couple of weeks ago at move it and i was like that's Cisco Gomez. And the reason I realised it was you because of the way you dress and like you just, yeah, just the whole persona that you have is just wonderful and it really does radiate personality and vibrance. So my question to you is, a lot of people at performing arts colleges and things are told they don't have the look. And you, to me, have the look. So do you think that's important and how do you do it? <laughs> Well, I too didn't have the look. I was an ugly duckling when I was growing up. Puberty was very, very um, slow with me. And when I was coming up, the generation before me, I kid you not, they were all editorial gods and goddesses, like the most good looking, sorry, it's my mom's fan, go away. Um, the most good looking bunch that you could ever, ever see. And I knew I wasn't that. Curiosity led me to fashion, and I, it was an extension to my voice. And being a gay man, we have to express in other ways. Because, you know, being gay in the industry is one thing, but being gay in life is different. So I think I took fashion as an armor, as a form of expression, and I experimented. And I'm so glad I did. Because I saw those people that came before me, and I was like, I don't look like that, I don't have that body. But maybe if I experiment, let's say grow my hair, let's see what happens, because I come from black backgrounds. I was like, maybe I've got a thing going on. It was the best thing I could have done. I grew my hair, and as I was growing my hair, I was just experimenting. And I would go to one club, Fruit Machine, at Heaven every Wednesday, and I would I would um, make my own outfits. And I'll go to like um, a, a vintage store and splatter paint on a blazer or like rip my jeans, and it was my testing ground. You know, so then when I finally did get into the industry full time and then made it on TV, I had my looks down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was so important for me because your look is important. But I think people um, equate looks to beauty. And I think it's it more should be looks means presentation. Yes. You don't. Everyone's going to go into hair and makeup. Everyone's going to go into hair and makeup. Right. So whether you're not desirable to, you know, what, you know, whatever magazine is saying or like like a favorite pop star that doesn't matter as long as you can look the best you and you can walk into a room and be like who is that it eventually becomes second nature because when i dress up it, i swear to god it's me myself and i it's not until i get reactions that i'm like oh shit this is kind of not how other people dress or like oh i, I think i've done too much in the best way you know what i mean but knowing your look is amazing because that confidence really does bleed through to your talent, you know? And I feel a million, a million bucks even when I'm having a bad day. Why? Because my armor is like an extension of me. That's amazing. And it's so interesting, isn't it? And I think, like you say, it's almost like a bit of a personal brand within the industry. It's like the product that yeah. you're trying to give. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it is. And it's like, also like these days we're like, 
finally we're able to not just be in that dancer box we can also cross over to modeling or tv presenting or like um book commercial gigs like you know like adverts and stuff so you need to be showing that you can wear different things or that you're comfortable in clothes you know because if not you know what I mean you're just going to be forgettable and you know I refuse (laughs) (laughs) absolutely that's amazing um on your Instagram you just did and we were talking about it just before the show we were talking about the fact that you've been doing like the Oscar red carpet looks on your Instagram they are so much fun to watch um so you also do on IGTV you do your Gex in the City I would love for you to tell people about what that is so Gex in the City is my brand. Um, one of the shows that inspired and changed my life was Sex in the City. And so I changed the, the yes to a G because it's kind of like life through my lens. You know, and I've got little... Gex in the City is the umbrella. And within that, I've got my show Quarantales, which is I interviewed influencers or... or um, or famous people during quarantine to see what they were getting up to, how are they surviving? I've got Gex Talk, which is like your your typical show where like you talk about hot topics and what's going on. In I love that. It is so Thank much fun you. to watch. And then I've got the lab, which is people message me their problems or a problem. And then me and my lab coat, I pretend to be like a doctor and I just give you my advice through my experience. Cause like my life has been a telenovela. Like I've had so many chapters and I really like to dissect people's problems. So I like to remove the gray areas. And um, and then I've got the progressing male, which is coming out my podcast next month, which is um, trying to challenge that whole stereotype that men can't communicate, that we can't be allies, that we know we're not we're not as intelligent as women. You know what I mean? And we dissect subjects that have stigmas attached to them, um, and just to talk about it. So just to promote other men or the women as well to see that men in a different light you know what I mean so I've got a few shows under there and I'm just like just getting them out there whenever I can and they're absolutely amazing so I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes so people can find and come and watch thank you so which part as a host do you enjoy the most on your show is there like a certain bit that you're like I love doing that it's weird when I was I was in Move It a couple of weeks ago, and I think I really thrive off having a live audience. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because I did a few panel shows, but what I got to do, I got to interview some of the acts backstage. And after the years, the two years we've had, you know, you know, people contact has been almost like taboo. So to be around people and to host in front of people, it really got me going because it's like darts, you feed off that energy and it's exactly the same. And I didn't think that the parallels were going to be so similar. Um, but I really enjoy live. You know, I got to do the um, the BMA awards and the, um, the base birthday bash as well, like literally like a week after move it and it was just like nothing beats a crowd. So I love a crowd. That's why I can't wait to have my own talk show with, with an audience so I can just bounce and vibe off them. That'd be amazing. And who, obviously you interviewed quite a few people at Move It. Who, mm-hmm. if you could interview anyone in the world, doesn't have to be in the dance industry, who would it be and why? Oprah. Oprah. I love that. Oprah. You know, my, my, you know, I use it as a reference. The Latina Oprah is what I'm trying to do. I just think she's so intelligent and so good at what she does. Like, she's just a pro. She just oozes excellence as a person as well as an artist and I think that interviewing her will be the biggest challenge of my career at the same time being 
the biggest honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that would be like, like if I ever got to be, if, even if I even just got to sit next to her somewhere, you know, being interviewed, whatever, it would be, it'd be like destiny fulfilled. But to interview her would be just like, wow. Yeah. I'll be like, okay, I can retire now. <laughs> <laughs> That's me finished. Yeah, Nancy. That's incredible. Um, So very last thing I would like you to do is to say a little bit more about where people can find out absolutely everything that you do. Where can they find you? Yes, so I think the best place for me at the moment is my IG, uh, Instagram, at Cisco Gomez, S-I-S-C-O-G-O-M-E-Z. All my... Gex in the City stuff is on there. It is coming to YouTube and maybe TikTok. Watch this space. But through um, my IG, I kind of will take you guys to the other platforms. So it would be great to have you guys support, you know, retweet, repost, all that good stuff about me talking about the shows. And I always say I love to join in the conversation. If there's anything that anyone wants me to review or speak about, let me know because I am for the people. I'm one of you guys. And I just like to talk about subjects that people actually want to hear about. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And my very last question for you today is what advice would you give to any aspiring performers that are listening to this? Don't compromise your mental health for a dream that you haven't achieved yet. I think we get so stuck in this upwards hill battle because it is always going to be a battle, unfortunately, kids. It's not going to get any easier that we forget ourselves. We want to fit in. We want to be versatile. We want to do this job, do that job, conquer this, conquer that. And then we forget ourselves in the process and it's so dangerous nothing is worth your happiness and who knows you might have gone to the best college or been taught by the most amazing people and you might get midway of your journey and be like do you know what this is not for me and that is okay because the the effects that it can have on your mental health and your psychology because you're not happy and able to be present can be catastrophic and it's just not worth it your happiness first career second Great advice. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to all the listeners at home. This has been Performer Talk. Mm